On today's episode, Moses brings plenty. Because I have a great desire. My desire one day is to be in the presence of the higher power. But yet, I ask myself at the end of each day, I ask myself a simple question. Did I do everything to the best of my abilities in this day to make sure that someone smiled, that I made someone laugh in a respectful way without degrading anyone else? And did I be a great example? And most importantly, did I do everything that I humanly possibly can to make God desire to want to be in my presence as much as I desire to be in God's presence? Hey, welcome to The Dose, a show dedicated to deep and engaging conversations, highlighting individuals that are in the pursuit of authentic and courageous leadership who approach life with insatiable curiosity, bold action, and common sense in these divisive and uncommon times. It's my hope you take something away from each and every one of these conversations and apply it to your own life as we all intentionally attempt to become the best we can possibly be by living out our purpose and calling, committing to a life of service, and helping make this place better than we found it. What an honor to have today's guest on the show. It's Moses Brings Plenty. He's an Oglala Lakota television film and stage actor, as well as a traditional drummer and singer. Probably going to know him and he's best known for his portrayal as Mo in the television series Yellowstone, one of my favorite characters on that show. And it's through watching that show and watching as he's progressed throughout the seasons, particularly this last season, as an actor, he just something struck to me that said, I, I really want to talk to him and learn more about him. And what an amazing conversation. I thought we would spend a lot of time, because I'm always interested of the inside baseball of television production, film production, and acting, and all that. We barely scratched the surface on that. We do talk a little bit about uh, a couple of his roles in acting, and how he got involved in acting, and also how he consulted on the new uh, series Yellowstone, which is a prequel to Yellowstone. So that was fun. But the real impact and the power of this conversation, the bulk of this conversation, is one of authenticity, one of transparency, one of vulnerability, and one of love. And it is a very powerful conversation, probably one of the most powerful ones we've had on this show. And it's all thanks to Mo. Guys, there's so many takeaways from this, but I highly encourage you to stick with us. And this is a long, long episode, but it goes by quick because of all the great things and all the great lessons of life that Mo brings to the table in this episode. And again, it goes back to the power of what you've heard me talk about on the show, the power of authenticity, transparency, and vulnerability. That is the power, and that's the vacuum, or that's what's going to fill the vacuum of what's so needed today. And I truly enjoy his soul, his spirit, and his willingness to come on the show and just share everything with us. So let's just get right into it. Fascinating conversation with Moses Brings Plenty here on The Dose. become kind of a fan favorite man i mean I'm, you have to know that right i mean everybody loves mo oh it's it's crazy how um how this here last season just kind of it catapulted uh my character you know uh to different heights and and so it's it's wonderful i mean i'm glad to to be going through this experience um and it's um created a wonderful platform yeah you know for a lot of lot of different things you know and and, and just trying to stay humble through it all mm -hmm. um and never forget where i came from and who i am in the process yeah that well i think that's 
you kind of hit on that. And I think that's kind of why people are resonating with you because I, I mean, I'm sure when I've never done acting, but I, I love studying actors, the whole process of acting. I'm envious of actors and I just love the whole process. I mean, obviously you're bringing some of yourself to that, to, to this role. I mean, a lot of the great actors do, there's something you're tapping into elements of yourself. And I think that when you look at Mo, the character Mo, um, he has this kind of stoic, humble, teachable spirit. But at the same time, you know there's a level of intensity underneath that. And that combination is pretty powerful. I talk about it on this show a lot from a leadership perspective. I mean, I think that's how life is, is, is supposed to be lived. Humble, teachable spirit coupled with this level of intensity. And where they intersect, that's kind of the sweet spot in life. And I think that's kind of what the character Mo represents, right? He, he's there when he's needed. He speaks up. When he does speak, he's, it's meaningful. So he's not just, you know, running his mouth. You know what I mean? When he says something, it's something of consequence is my point. Yeah. Right. Right. And, you know, for me, it's that, in, that particular character, it is a lot of, of who, where I come from. Yeah. You know, um, and, and so I incorporate a lot of my, my own personal experience and just, you know, a little bit more than a part of who I am. It's almost a whole lot of who I am and in real life, you know, we try to, we try to teach as much as possible. Yeah. And, and do it with compassion. Yeah. And, and there are some moments and times where it's in some situations that it, it does almost get intense you know, so the, that intensity has to be there mm-hmm. at, 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 in a blink of an eye, you know, um, but uh, in a good, in a good positive way. Yeah. And it, and that intensity rises when, when there's, when it has to for, for the, all the right reasons. And, and it's not just for personal gain. It is not. And that's what I love about that character. It's he, he, Everything he does is not for him. Yeah. Everything he does is is for the people. Yeah, it's a sacrificial mindset, right? It's this it's this kind of I, I think sacrificial is the right word. You know, it's this self it's it's this it's not about you, right? It's about the other person always. Right. You know, when I was young and, and even now, um I always ask myself, how much love does a man need to have to be willing to run out and face danger with nothing but his bare hands, just so that the people in his village can remain protected. Yeah. Uh, And, and, and I try to try to grasp an idea of what, of that amount of love, but I, I never could. And so I still, I think that love is, is almost as vast as the universe. Yeah. It's, it's, I know exactly what you're saying. It gives me chills when you're saying that. Cause I think that's why I love the story. You know, I was in the Marine Corps and I love these stories of these, mm-hmm. there's so many legendary stories in the Marine Corps. And I've met some amazing individuals who were in, you know, the chaotic dangerous situations that you and I can only imagine. Right. And, 
no right. human being should be faced with. Right. And yeah. I asked a guy one time who was on Iwo Jima, which is just kind of sacrosanct for Marines, right? And so many, mm-hmm. so much death and destruction and bad stuff. And and he and the stories are just let you wouldn't believe the stories if I told you. Like this has to be made up what he lived through. And I asked him one time, as as he was older, you know, I became friends with him. And I was like, you know, I've heard these stories so great. I go, what's what as you can marinate back on this experience, what what was the biggest lesson from going through all of that? And Mo, he didn't even hesitate. Like he didn't pause and he was with his wife and he goes, he goes, it was, I learned how to love another human being so deep that you can't even understand it. Wow. And I was like, I was taken aback and his wife started crying. He goes, true. He loves deeply because he chose to, because he saw, right. To, to your point, you're talking that, that scenario, like, and I, God, I want to be that man, you know? And it, what, what keeps me awake at night is like, what if I wasn't, you know, hopefully I'm, not faced with that situation, but it does kind of keep me awake at night thinking, would I be that guy that would go out there with my bare hands and sacrifice so others may prosper? I want to be that guy, but it scares me that might not be in the moment of of truth. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. I mean, you know, we all, we all like to have the idea that we are that type of individual, but when it comes down to it, I mean, no, we will never know until we are faced with that situation and circumstance. You know, and, and I want to say thank you for, for your service. Oh, here's something crazy. When I was young, I wanted to be a, a fighter pilot in the Marine Corps. Did you really? I kid you not. Yes, that was one of my. I was asked by a counselor to write down the three things that I wanted to become. And my number one thing was a math teacher. Second was a fighter pilot in the Marine Corps. Really? And math third, teacher, of course, was a firefighter. Wow. So math yeah. teacher, fighter pilot, firefighter. I get the firefighter yep. and the fighter pilot. I don't get the math teacher. Holy cow. Good on you. That's I your love, number one. You love that. I love math. It was <laughs> crazy. Awesome. I love, well, a lot of it too for me was not only did I love math, but I I figured that if I could go off and get a higher education and become a teacher, I can come back to the reservation and be part of a stepping stone for our, do our next generation yeah. and our children. You know, one thing I appreciate about the, so, Oh, I'm sorry. We cut, you cut out there. I didn't mean to cut you off. What, finish your thought there. You cut out with me for a second. What, what was the last thing you said? Oh, just, I, I was done. I, oh, okay. I just said that, you know, be, be, yeah, I was done. I was doing a little homework on kind of the Lakota mindset and something that really, resonated with me was kind of um was it there's kind of their seven core values or what they believe and i don't know it this is makes sense but praying caring and compassion honesty and truth generosity humility and wisdom and to me that is like the what i try to talk about on this show like the the type of leadership that there's so so such a need of right and um I don't know. I just that just resonated with me. When, when you, were you taught that from from the beginning? You grew up in Pine Ridge. I mean, was this something that yep. was incorporated into you? Like, I, I don't I don't know what life was like on the Pine Ridge Reservation in your up. You and I are roughly the same age. I was born in sixty eight. You were born in sixty nine. But what was mm-hmm. life like on Pine Ridge in the seventies? What was life growing up? Man, like? it for me it was beautiful. I mean, it had its moments, but um, because we had community, we had a strong community back then. 
And, and there were some differences between the traditional families and the non-traditionalists. And me, when I say traditional families, I mean those families and those individuals that were, were, were working hard to revitalize and reconnect with, with our very own identity. And then on the other side of that coin, you had the, the, those that wanted to progress and, and forget about that. But when it comes down to the spiritual concept of life, um, see, I was taught, I was, not only was I taught those, but I got to witness it and see it within my grandparents, within my parents. Um, my father was a minister and for non-denominational, um, he, they did a lot of Bible studies. They did, you know, had services, but my family, a lot of my other family members, my dad's brothers were, were traditional. And so I grew up, I grew up in a, in a very loving home that we had both prayers. We had both ways. Um, and so I got to witness and experience it both. And, and I remember asking my grandfather one time, you know, I asked him about life. I said, what is life? And, and he never looked at me, but I could tell he was giggling because his shoulders were kind of bouncing. <laughs> And I said, no, Grandpa, really, what is life? And, and he turned around and he looked at me and he said, I know nothing about life for you, grandson. Wow. That's between you and the higher power. He said, I'm, I'm still trying to understand my life. But if there's one thing that I hope that I did succeed at, and th that is that I hope that I showed you how to be a human being. Because the world is filled with people, but there's only a handful of human beings. Mm -hmm. and, and what it means to be a warrior, you know, um, a warrior has love and compassion for other people, regardless of skin color, regardless of faith, regardless of, of language. Um, it, we, go, we have to go out of our way to... to to be able to learn something from them to help them to be comfortable with themselves also. And, and so I struggled a lot with, with a lot of those um, virtues, you know, honesty was one of them. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, because in growing up, we were always, unfortunately, we were always told to be ashamed of our own identity. Wow. Um, going back to what I mentioned, a counselor asking me to write down three things that I wanted to become. And when I showed, when I revealed what I wanted to become in order, the counselor looked at me and said, no, you either, you're either going to become another statistic of alcoholism on a reservation and or a life of incarceration and or death at an early age. What? Okay. And I was like, why would the counselor why? tell you that? Why would, that's what the counselor told Be, you? Yeah. Because we, we have to understand and remember that the, the process of assimilation did not go away. It still resides and it still is today. And, and so, but it's not as, as violent. It's not as harsh. It's still the, the assimilation process is still there. 
And so, and, and I said, why? And she, she said, because crazy horse is dead. <laughs> Meaning that the Indian is dead. If you're going to try to be Indian, you're not going to amount to anything. Uh. And, and it wasn't the fact that I was just trying to be, I just was trying to understand how God dreamed me, how God, why God made me an Indian, a Lakota. And, and so, and that's the a struggle that I had at, at, at a young age. So I was not honest. I couldn't be honest. I couldn't be honest with others because I couldn't be honest with myself. Oh man. And, and so I try to try to find more of my own identity and understand where I came from and why it's so important. And so, um, to try to get to a place of honesty has been a great struggle in my life. And, and it, and it, and I'm trying to get there still, you know, um, to try to be honest with myself and who I am so I could be honest with others. Okay. So when you're talking about honest with yourself, honest with who you are as a Lakota or as, because, Oh, it's interesting. I guess I just never would have thought about, I don't understand where the shame part comes in, to be quite honest. Like, what, who was telling you? Was it the system? Well, was, it, was it other? Yeah. It, it was the system. It was the system because in the, it, the best way, and I'm not anti-America by no means. No, I get me. it. I'm I, not, I love this country. And, but it, unfortunately, it was a demise. To, 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 con- to make a people conquered, you have to make them forget, forget who they are. And if they can't forget who they are, then you have to shame it out of them. And, and so our, our identity, we, it's always been, we, we've been always faced this. This is a huge, um, our, our pandemic has always been here for a long time. <laughs> and and yeah. to try to evolve, evolve out of that and still maintain love and compassion for other human beings. Uh-huh is it that's the part of that's the part of honesty that i was able to grasp through through the traditional teachings through the traditional ceremonies um i was able to grasp that we have to have if if we want respect we have to be able to give respect ourselves yeah well sure if you don't value yourself you can't add value to others for sure right that's right that's right that's right and so we want to be able to to maintain and still grow in our traditional setting, but still coexist, you know, in today's uh, culture, uh, society, however we want to put it. And and as a kid, I never dreamed of becoming an actor. My dream was to be a traditional singer for our ceremonies. Yeah, that was that was another dream of mine. Yeah, I was watching some of your older. I say older it was probably, I don't know, 2007. Yeah, it was older. <laughs> yeah, two, two, I guess you're right, 2007, 2006. I mean, that, gosh, time's going too quick. Yeah. But yeah, watching some of your videos yeah. and you're sitting there playing the drums and that music and it's just beautiful. Yeah, that flowing hair, man. You had that hair going. They had that fan going. You're playing that drum. It's yeah. <laughs> like, look at him, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was it was a fun time. I mean, the group Roulet, um, what an amazing family. And, you know, I still have a lot of 
a lot of respect for Paul and his family and, yeah. and their endeavors and what they're trying to do. You know, uh, it's a great mission yeah. and, and I applaud them, you know, and um, I support them in any way that I possibly can. So going back to the system, so oh, my light went out here. So the system, so when you, are you going to, you're on a reservation? Are you, is it a school? Is it, do you have like um, uh, non-Native American teachers and is this counselor a Native American or is there a non-Native American? The council non-native. Oh, and so non-native. It's weird, but 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 the thing with it is is I don't think honestly looking back, I don't think it was her intent to come across that way. I think she was just telling me what I would have to go through in in society, because growing up, I mean, these braids didn't come easy. Yeah, I'll guarantee you that. Yeah, they did not come easy. Um. And, and unfortunately, even still today, we still face, uh, it don't matter, we are either judged for our identity, or we're judged based on the music we like, or we're judged on what type of uh, wear we have on, uh, and the label that comes with it, uh, the brand, whatever the case may be, where there's always a constant judgment, and you go, you're judged for who you are. Yeah. I'll guarantee you that. I mean, so we all, and so I think she was basically just telling me, um, which I didn't grasp as a youngster, um, of what I would be going through and facing because, and I've hit, I've had my moments. I've had my moments of, I, I was so upset, even at the higher power at God for making me a Lakota. Mm-hmm. And, and I was cursing at God. Why? If you know everything, and you knew what my life was going to be like, then why did you give me life to even begin with? You know, and, and, and I had, I had a, a frustration, which led to a hatred towards any, any spiritual conversation. Um, It didn't matter what form it came in, you know, because of, of the situation and circumstances that I was going through in life. And, um, I've had a few breaking points where I just wanted life to be done. What were those? Um, Can we talk about what those were? Are you comfortable talking about like what? What were yeah, some of them splat? Of course, mo- I mean, because I, I those uh, splat. Mo- I call them splat moments because we and we all have them, right? Mm-hmm. And you and I can both experience the same whatever traumatic event, and one of us goes right. one way and another goes another. That always right. fascinates me. So. We've all had breaking points, but what was it for you? What what were some of these breaking points that kind of inflection points? Um, well, as a as a as a young as a young individual, um, I had a priest. You know, same story. Yeah. Oh my god. And 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 so I struggled a lot with that. And, and it, and it broke me. Wow. For it sure. It broke me to the point, it broke me to the point to where I stuck, I stuck a barrel in my mouth and. No kidding. I pulled the trigger. What happened? It clicked. I threw the gun down. My father come in. Ejected the shell, the firing pin hit the bullet, but it didn't go off. No kidding. Yeah. How old were you? Um, 
I was, I was uh, 16. Wow. I was 16 at the time. It's just, I'm not proud of that moment. Well, no, well, I but, understand that, but I mean, oh, thank you for sharing that. And I didn't, you know, I, I appreciate the honesty and the, the, the vulnerability of sharing that in this moment. And it, it means that, that a lot that you, that you did this. Uh, how long did it take you to kind of marinate on that kind of miracle? To say that okay maybe uh, th- maybe this was divine intervention or not I don't know if it was or not but I, I if it that happened to me at some point I think I would say okay I have a that happened for a reason I don't know if it did or not but I think I would it, tell myself that at some point I I I I didn't I didn't know I mean I for me there was even you know my father said he said you know there's a reason there's a reason why this didn't go off. Now, did your father know why you did this? Did your father know about what the the priest had done at at this no. point? No. So you were still no. You, this this was no. this was your dark secret that you were just holding. Yeah. Holy cow. And and it's been a secret. I mean, you know, it's been a struggle, and I still have nightmares from it. I can imagine, dude. You know, um, I still have nightmares from it, and and in some years passed, and and I tried. I tried two more times, but not with firearm this time because I, I couldn't, there was no reason. There was no purpose. It was the loss of, of grandparents, um, which made me feel like I was actually in this world alone. Right. And um, there was a loss of, you know, I saw a best friend. I mean, a, a good friend of mine, uh, I saw him and early that morning. I mean, we had, we had a conversation, a long conversation. I was a peer counselor in school at the time. And so we, we, I listened to him talk and I shared, you know, we, we was planning out our lives as, as young adults, once we got out of high school and, and I left and he ended up taking his life still. Wow. And, and so, um, it was just a lot of heartache yeah. that, and, and I, and I just didn't want to be in a world no more that didn't want me here or, or want my kind here. And, and so I went through it and, and then finally, um, CeeLo Black Crow, uh, Leonard Crow Dog, Roy Stone, others were, they saw something in me and, and grandmothers and my aunties who were like mothers, um, my own parents, uh, different faith believing individuals were just always constantly reminding me that there's, there's a greater purpose in my life. And, and, and just and every time it wasn't swelling my head, it was just breathing life. Oh no, yeah. Me. Breathing life into you because it's so, I mean, yeah. as an outsider looking in and just to hear you say, you know, that didn't want my kind that didn't want me. And it's crazy because when you, it's crazy from an outsider looking in, I know I, I've dealt with people who have, you know, family members who have been in that when you're, it's, it's so lonely and so dark. I fortunately haven't been there, but I've been around people who have, and it's frustrating on the outside going, oh my God, the love that I want to pour into you, don't you know that you are so valuable? I look at you, and you know, like now, I mean, I look, 
you know, and I'm sure that's what your all these people around you were going like, oh my God, I see this. They saw the potential yeah. in you, right? But gosh yeah. dang, when you're there, yeah. when when you're so down there in that dark, it's hard to get out of it. God dang, it's like you, you yeah. can't see you can't see, you know, two inches past the palm of your hand. Yeah. You know? You're absolutely right. You know, I didn't honestly for me, I, I was at a point where I wasn't there was no life plan beyond the age of 18. Yeah. Yeah. There was absolutely no life plan no more. I was just down in 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 the valley of death, so to say. Yeah, I right. Mean, it was and and looking back, I mean, honestly, if it's people so several people have asked me if you could go back and relive, uh, if you could go back and change anything, would you? Uh, I wouldn't be the man I am today if I went back and changed one thing. Well, that's the lesson, right? I mean, because it's like, yeah. it's like, I mean, all the great philosophies of life say this, it's the obstacle is the way. If you don't have, yeah. you know, and it, it, it's how you choose what you do with that obstacle because that's what shapes you. And that's what I meant about you and I can experience the same thing. One of us never gets out of the mud. You pull yourself out of the mud. That just fascinates me, like how somebody can pull themselves out of the mud. You've obviously pulled yourself out of it at least at some point you had to have, otherwise you wouldn't be sitting or talking to me. What was it? What was the first moment you kind of saw, you, you've, okay, I finally pulled myself out of the mud. Now I understand. Like to your point, you still have nightmares. Like you said, you look at your hand, kind of like when you pull your hand out of a muddy and you wash your hand, it's still in the crevices of your fingers and stuff, right? Or around your cuticles and stuff like that. So I know that that some of that mud is still even on you. But but what what was it when the first time you pulled yourself out of it? Do you know what that was and when that happened? Um, honestly, I I've had so many great moments that they all just kind of combobble together. And yeah. it really, I think for me was, I, re I received a phone call one time. Um, it was an elderly grandmother, no name, nothing. She spoke to me and she said, do you know who you are? Do you know who your family is? I said, yeah. She was, do you know, do you know where you come from? And I said, yeah. And, and she goes, um, she was very, just very encouraging and reminded me of my lineage. Yeah. And, um, and she said, it's time, it's time for you to step into that, to that role. And I told her, I said, I can't, I'm young. And she goes, no, you're not, you're not, you're not too young. And she goes, our people are are starting to follow different things are different people that are not who they think that they are or claim that they are and in that process she told me that i had to also acknowledge the other descendants of these great leaders and remind them to go back to their place mm -hmm. also and so she shared a great deal of history with me and, and so I asked her, I said, Unchi, I asked her in Lakota, um, I said, Grandma, who, who are you? And she said, I am just a grandmother who cares and loves our people and knows that 
it's you and others that are going to help our people. And she hung up. And so I star 69 to see who, what the number was. I got the number and I called it. It was a payphone somewhere in Rapid City, South Dakota, that I, this grandmother, I would never see a Lakota grandmother in this location. Um, and so that was a moment that made me gain a great desire to know exactly who I am and where I came from. Yeah. And so I, I began to go to, I went to uh, my cousin first, uh, I went to other relatives and, and began to not learn from them, but to learn about me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and um, Crow Dog, I remember I was sitting there with Crow Dog, Chief Leonard Crow Dog, and just out of the blue, because I was thinking, how can I ask him, you know, how, how can I deliver this question? So I was trying to find my words in my mind. And he said, I can't teach you what you already know. It's, it's already in your DNA. He said, I'm just here to support you. Oh, gosh. Out of the blue, I was like, okay. <laughs> All right. And so, um, and looking back, I mean, again, everything that I've endured and been through, um, I, I could be resentful. I could be totally hateful. But... I, and instead of spending all of my energy on seeking revenge or, or, or expressing hatred and, and judgment, I decided that I would become more of what the world didn't, didn't want no more. Yeah. To the best of my abilities of what, what tools I had um, and still be and remain compassionate because that's what a warrior is. That's right. And 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 so to to remain compassionate for other people in their beliefs and, and and encourage them in their beliefs. And 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 that's what leadership is for me. Yeah. You know, I'm not gonna expect someone to go up on a roof and remove snow if I myself am gonna sit inside in a warm house. Right. If I'm not there with them by their side, I can't ask them to do that. Yeah. And and I I treat my my work that way. Um I I, I try to treat everything in my life that way. And and so it doesn't make me a better human being than others. No, it doesn't. But it's just who I am. No, but that but you're living up to the obligation that we all that kind of that universal obligation that I think that we all have is, is to make the place better than we found it. And the, yep. the and it's it's not light what you said. I mean, it's it's a point that needs to be overstated that the moment that you sit back and you choose, and that's what you did, and that's the point, it's the choice. Leaders are always in a creative stint. Leaders are creators. And leaders and when you're a creator, you have the power to choose. And the moment you, look, you were victimized big time, right? You experienced a, a, a thing of victimization. But what you didn't do is you didn't choose to wrap yourself around the cloth of victimhood. 
and you chose to create instead. And the moment somebody does that, you've instantaneously started to become a leader. You know, you don't need a degree. You don't need any certification. You don't need, you just need to have that <laughs> willingness to choose to, to, cho- to have the choice. Even though your reactionary feelings are, like, are, are still of anger, of hate, of resentment, of shame, of guilt, all those negative things that try to drag you down, you still, you still chose. And that, to me, is the moment. The moment you, you, you choose to be a creator, that's the moment you can call yourself a leader. That's what I think about when you tell me that story. Yeah. Oh, it's, that's a good way to put it. Um, I just I, I just try to be an example. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, I know that there's young kids, regardless of where they are in this world, what nationality they are, I know there's a young child somewhere that's, that's in that same place as, as I once was. And um, and I try to try to look at everything from a positive perspective because one of the greatest virtues of our of our culture is is gratitude. Yeah. And and the most powerful prayer that we have, it's not for for me praying is not not what we say. It's not even what we think. It's what we do. Yeah. And, and, and for me to be able to express to, to God, Jehovah, Allah, whatever name we have for the creator of all creation, for best way for me to express my gratitude is by live, by living. Mm-hmm. Not as a survive, not, not surviving, but living. Living. Because to me, there's, 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 two separate things a survivalist something that is trying to survive will devour its own just to remain someone that is something that is living will give itself so that others too can live yeah that's 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 it that's the secret sauce right there it's it's sad it's it's sacrificing so that others may prosper. And the, and the beauty of it is, I don't know how the universe works this way, but it does. You know, the survivalist or even the individual who's trying to fill their buckets, whatever those buckets are, self-esteem, wealth, acknowledgement, whatever. When you chase it directly, you can never fill up that bucket. And probably you're creating a damaging wake along the way, right? But if, yeah. you, if you don't, try to fill the buckets instead try to fill other people's buckets then your bucket gets over you know overflowing that's how you get it right i mean it's 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 serving so that others may prosper yep and i'm not like you it, it doesn't come natural i mean i think the more that i do it i want it to become like i'm breathing but yep. if i'm not careful I can slip into pity, you know, oh, woe is me or yeah. selfish thoughts or selfish behavior. Yeah. I mean, so, but I've, I've become comfortable with it. I used to think there was something wrong with me that I wasn't like that all the time. And then I, then I realized that that's just an everyday process. To me, it's, yeah. I, I, people have heard me say this on this show, but I just wanted to tell you, to me, it's like the difference between being a, professional at this and an amateur the 
the amateur wants to live like a dragon-free life where there's no dragons. So they'll, they'll spend a lot of time and energy coming up with processes, bending, you know, building up moats, all those other things. And then they get shocked and they're surprised and scared and when a dragon rears its ugly head. But the professional knows that there's, you can't live in a dragon-free world. The world is full of dragons. So I'm going to spend my limit, limited time, energy, and resources on learning what it means to be a kick-ass dragon slayer. And a dragon slayer yep. trains to fight. He sharpens their knives, their sword, their shields. They don't want to fight a dragon, but when they come, they know they're going to have to, and, the, and they're ready. That's the warrior mindset, yep. right? The warrior doesn't seek the fight, yep. but they're ready to fight. They're ready to slay. Yep. Right? Yeah. You're saying some No, I I totally agree. You're saying some beautiful things. I So how did how did this lead to Well, before I even get there. It's from an out This is why even as a kid growing up and learning about again, we're the same age, right? And it's kind of weird. Like you and I grew up at a time where particularly from the Native American stance. This is just my perspective from an outsider looking in. From the 40s, 50s, 60s, all that kind of stuff before you and I were born. You know, take, for example, like the goofy, stupid sitcom show like F Troop, you know, and how they portrayed Native Americans, right? They would, they would take a, yeah. a, a whitey like me and, you know, paint me a, not even a realistic shade of a Native American and then, you know, and I'd be this... You know, it was kind of tomfoolery. But we, you know, we grew up in the 70s and now you're like watching like Sesame Street and things like that where there at least is an attempt, right? And so yeah. for me growing up, and I had great parents too, it's kind of like you knew the difference of like, oh, well, that's kind of insulting. And it's not like, but even then, you know, it's kind of like you watch Walt Disney in the sixties and like Disneyland and like how the frontier world. Right. So they would still do things that were kind of demeaning, but then they would attempt. And in their minds, I guess they thought they were, you know, they would have real native Americans at Disneyland doing whatever, but there were still, you were still on the stagecoach, right. As the white kid from wherever. Oh, let's be careful. Here they come. You know, so there was that, that combination, right, of that kind of insulting. So there's an attempt there. But right. it seemed like as we were going up in the set, my point is this. And, I, and, this, and the school that I went to was, was built in 1928 here in Kansas. And it was the, the Wichita North Eye Redskins. And, I mean, this, I don't know if you've ever seen this school, but it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Native American, everything's all about the native, the bridge and everything. I, I'll, just, I'll send you pictures. I mean, it's a beautiful piece of architecture, right? In in terms of honoring or the attempt to honor it and this and that. But I just remember as a kid, I always was, it's kind of like, and this sounds weird, but I was envious of a Native American culture because I always saw every Native American as a kick-ass warrior, if that makes sense, right? And so it's yeah, it's weird to me to hear you say as a kid growing up, you were shamed or shameful of your heritage because on the out for me on the outside looking in, even in the 70s, I thought, man, that's unique. I'm just an average 
you know, white kid trying to fit in. It seems to me if you were a Native American kid in my school, you would be like the standout star. That's from a white kid from the 70s looking at it, right? And so I can't relate to you being ashamed, right? Does that make sense? What do you think about right. when you kind of you hear me kind of lay out that that kind of scenario? You know, I mean, there is a there is a I'm going I call it a romanticized thought process of who we are as native people. Um when you think of a warrior, you know, there's people that think of us with our hair flowing, riding bareback, bare-chested across <laughs> right. the plains. Right. Um, but those days were are long gone because of all the, the struggles that we've been through. You have to think about it. Like our our way of prayer, our ceremonies were, were uh, against the law. Wow. And... And in 1976, uh, President Kennedy, he, uh, not Kennedy, but Carter, I'm sorry, Carter, President Carter signed a, the Indian Religious Freedom Act, which then gave us the ability to go ahead and, and start practicing again. And that's thanks to Chief Leonard Crow Dog and a handful of others and other people that natives from throughout the country. Um, that, 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 that was, we were able to do that again, but it took a long time for that concept to even be accepted because it was still hidden. Wow. And, 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 and due to that, it's still that process today. Uh, you know, everything's a secret, everything, all that's a secret. And, and it's shameful that now it's no longer a system or society telling us that we can't, you know, express who we are and re- reveal who we are. It's now some of our own. Really? And some of our own are supposed to be leaders. But for me, um, I don't view leadership that way, you know, because then if you look back at their lineage and, and you look at the truth of who they are and where they come from, oh, okay, they're not who they say that they're not who they say they are. Yeah. And they don't come. That's not, it's not in their bloodline to be that. And, and so the history of us to, to know the history of us, of ourselves is so vital and important Yeah, because if we don't know our history, then we end up supporting these false leaders or these individuals that want to stand up, be seen and recognized as a leader you know, and screaming at the top of their lungs over every little thing, complaining about every little thing. And it's like, for me, I'm just like, nah, it's not worth my time and energy, Yeah, you know, because our young people is what matters to me and, and society, the world, that who we are as human beings, as all of us as a human race, that's, what's important to me. Yes. You know, how can we unify them and help them to understand that, we don't end racism by acknowledging race or, or bringing forth certain colored people and saying, okay, yeah, let's make room at the table for them now. That isn't putting an end to racism. I love how you're saying, yeah, keep going. I love where you're going with this. Racism will only come to an end when we can embrace and understand that there are other cultures and other languages. 
because it's very obvious and apparent that God is the one who loves diversity because God made the world so. If God did not love diversity, then there would be one species of trees all looking the same. Mm -hmm. Same colored leaves, same shape, same branches, all located in the same place. But if you look at the world, there are many different trees. There would be one stone, whether it's just a pebble or a giant stone, all same shape, size. We would all be the same right from the very beginning. And so for me, when I look at world, the world that way, I understand that for for me, because I have a great desire. My desire one day is to be in the presence of the higher power. But yet, I ask myself at the end of each day, I ask myself a simple question. Simple questions. And these questions are, did I do everything to the best of my abilities in this day to make sure that someone smiled, that I made someone laugh in a respectful way without degrading anyone else? And did I be a great example? And most importantly, did, did I do everything that I humanly possibly can in my own power to make God desire to want to be in my presence as much as I desire to be in God's presence? That's my question to myself, my questions to myself. And, and I reflect on my day. I can't judge anyone else for what they did or what they didn't do. I'll, all I can do is get my own life because I am the only one who can change my own life. Mm-hmm. And if I see something that didn't fulfill that, if I am honored and blessed to see tomorrow, then I'm going to make sure that I'm going to change that. Yeah. I love what you're saying. I mean, it goes back to that creator, right? You're choosing to do this. You're choosing to look at life that way. You're choosing, again, with that humble, teachable spirit to ask those questions. And it goes back to that gratitude umbrella that you talked about earlier in the show. I tell you, if you can get to that, and, and by you asking those questions, that gets you in that gratitude place, right? It gets you in that humble gratitude place when you honestly can ask, ask yourself those questions. and. It's so centering, right? When things are out of control, when you're feeling the anger, the envy, the jealousy, the pity, the whatever, the victim, the victimhood, you get to that gratitude place. It centers you. That's, I mean, what you're saying is so spot on. And going back to the race, that this is what about the diversity piece and the race thing. Again, that's what I was trying to say when we, like when we came of age in school, at least now you grew up on the reservation and maybe it was my experience here growing up in Kansas, but there was at least that attempt, right? Of like the melting mm-hmm. pot. Even if you watch, you know, what is that? Schoolhouse Rock. What was that damn thing? We, am I saying that right? Remember Schoolhouse Rock back in the semi on, on Saturday morning on the cartoons, you know, and they like, I'm just a bill and all oh, that stuff. You, you oh, know yeah, 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 yeah. And they yeah. had that one about the whole, the melting pot, right? About, hey, this is all, you know. Right. But God, it just seems right. like in the last 20 years, like we've lost that. Like we've put so much emphasis on your identity, your um, ethnicity, 
your because I guess there's this fear. I don't. I I was never afraid of like we all need to be one. I thought there was strength in numbers and power in in, in diversity in the different cultures. But I guess what where, I think where we lost the way, Mo, is that there's no central or agreed upon theme or values. I don't. I'm, I'm even having trouble saying this. There's no like central core values that we can all rally around. I used to think it was about those simple things of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, right? And I still do believe that. I think I can hold those up. I mean, I go back to the argument like what Frederick Douglass did back in the 1860s. You know, he held up the Bill of Rights and he said, okay, this is what you said. Now, I want you to explain to me how I don't fit into this, right? And I think there's so much power in that. And the same thing like with you, if you think back, okay, this is what this says. Now explain to me how, as a Native American, that I don't fit into this. And when you pose that question to somebody, that exposes the truth, right? If they're really racist or not, right? And if we have that to rally, but for some reason, this has been nullified because of our... um flawed and bloody and embarrassing past. And that's why going back to what you said about learning the history of it is so important. I think the more that you learn everything, the good, bad, and the ugly, the warts and all. And to me, when I learn the good, not a selective history, I'm talking about everything. I'm talking, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? And when when you are faced with that, you can look at it one of two ways, I guess. But me, I choose to look, wow. In the face of all this, because there's a lot of flawed human nature in that story, but there's also a lot of beauty and grace. There's a lot of beauty, grace, forgiveness, remarkable achievements, courage, right? I don't know. what Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? I just just choose to look at it that way. I want all the history to be done. And and I get frustrated when people tell me, oh, you want a selective kind of candy-coated history. No, I don't. I want people to know everything that has happened because yep. you know it's the same thing i mean even yeah. when you when you truly study native american history and all the different tribes it wasn't all it's that you talk about diversity there's not what you know and i think there's this kind of myth out there that every native american every native american tribe acted the same way and believed the same things no yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, no. there was there was different languages there was there was a few things that were universal, but there was a lot of different, oh, you know, man. like a certain color meant something different for even for our own family versus another family. Yeah. You know, within the same tribe. I mean, so every tribe was different. There was so many different tribes, so many different languages and 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 so on and so forth. And so to, to go back, I remember. I remember one time we said we had no running water and electricity when I was a kid growing up. And I tell you what, those were the best days of my yeah, life. I can imagine. And, and, um, cause we, we ate, I mean, you know, we, we've already told our age, but I remember as a kid, we had the kerosene lanterns and we'd have two kerosene lanterns on the table and we would all sit down and eat together. And, and we'd listen to this old stories and then uh, one time we had the opportunity to go visit a relative and we saw this um, Western and in the Western, 
uh, a cavalryman will shoot one time and about seven, eight Indians would fall. <laughs> right. and, and so um, we were like, oh, man. And, and I remember the drive back. My little brother and I, we, my little brother Joe and I, we were talking about, man, I'm, when I grow up, I'm going to build, you know, I'm going to build a time machine. And yeah, we build this time machine. We can go back in time and we can take machine guns and all this stuff to the people back then and la-di-da, la-di-da. And my dad, my father let us tell our story and have our conversation. And we got home and he made us sit down on the, on the couch. And he said, so what was he boys talking about on the drive back? And so we told him and he said, why? And because, you know, what, what happened to us and, and we were just kids and we never had any ounce of, of racism, nor did our parents teach us that. Um, in fact, my father made us stand up and we both got swatted on the rear end and he sat us down and he said, you know, if I went and got all these different colored men and we all stood in a circle and we all cut our hands, we all bleed the same color of blood. Mm -hmm. He said, our hearts are in the same place as every other colored human being. Our lungs are the same. Everything inside is the same as all these other colored human beings. He said, if you hate one other human being based on their color, he said, you're hating the higher power. Wow. That was your dad? And, and so... That was your yeah. dad. Wow. <laughs> that was my father, Enoch Brinks Plenty. And, and so that stuck with me. I mean, yeah. it didn't resonate as a kid. I mean, I was more hurt that yeah. know, we got spanked for what we did. And, and it wasn't abusive spank. It no, was, I got you. We, we had it coming. Yeah. And, and so um, that, that stuck with me, you know, what my father shared. And, and so a lot of things that I was taught as a young kid, as I'm, as I'm beginning to mature and grasp even more of who I am, they are starting to make sense. Yeah, I was right. like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. I understand what that riddle was. Yeah. It's no longer a riddle. It makes perfect sense in this time and in life. Because really what life is, there's one thing that my grandfather always said, there's only one thing that you actually own in life. He goes, you know what that is? And I thought, is it, is it my dog? Said, no. <laughs> it's not going to be home, the home that you live in. It's not going to be the car that you drive. Is the only thing that you honestly own in your life is the destiny of your spirit, of your soul. That's it. You don't own anything else. And, and, and so I think about that as well. You know, I own the destiny of my soul. No one else. Yeah. It's me. And so I, I better, better make sure I never forget that I have that type of ownership and 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 remain humble with it because my grandfather also always said he said always remain humble he goes you don't want the the spiritual realm or you don't want god to humble you yeah right because it's going to be even more painful mm -hmm. so remain humble 
Man, okay. you you were blessed with some truth there, some wise <laughs> wise wisdom. Yeah. But you know And and I miss them. I'm sure you do. Well, I, you know, that's yeah. where you were talking about getting that phone call from the grandmother. I mean, the, the power of knowing what what shoulders, again, that's the, it, it's the centering piece, the gratitude, the humbling piece. When you realize and you start reflecting on the shoulders that you're standing on, I mean, that's powerful stuff, you know. I mean, that's why the Marine Corps was so effective at what they did, because they, they were always reminding you of what shoulders you're standing on, and you better not shame the universe mm-hmm. and let them down. There's a lot of people that sacrificed yeah. here to get you this point. So what are you going to do about it? Yeah, okay, you got a beef. I get it. But how long are you going to hold on to that beef? Right? There's something right. to that. And if you go back and you right. and you and you honor those that shoulders that you're standing on, I think that's an obligation. I think that's what you're supposed to do. And if right. you, and if you don't, you're shaming the universe. I really do believe that. That's- no, I I totally agree. I mean, you know, if if we're if we if we're ashamed, we shame ourselves. Yep. In that process, and whether we want to be honest enough with ourselves to say, "Yeah, okay, I messed up," yeah. <laughs> you know, it's entirely up to us. Did you ever read Empire of the Summer Moon by uh, S. C. Win? No, I haven't, and I probably should. Oh, um, there's a lot of good books that I need to read. Um, and that that's one of them that's definitely on my list. That is probably I've done I'm a big history guy and I've read a lot of and I love the old the old west, you know, kind of the, the you know, and all of that. And it's probably one of the I don't know. I think one of the best books at least from the you know, it's obviously it talks about the Comanches a lot, but it does go into a lot of the other tribes, you know, and kind of pointing out that like, okay, this is what life was really like, you know, and how Right, but the Comanches were just right. such badasses when it came to like the horse, I and mean, that was the whole thing about the you know the horse and how everything was about the horse with them and their culture, you know, to the point to where you know that whenever a kid is like five or six, both boys and girls, and they would teach them to the point to where they were teenagers, they could pick up a human being that was on the ground, you know, holding yeah. onto the horse with their legs. Leaning to the side and picking up a human being at full sprint and on a horse and they could get, you know, six, seven, eight arrows off within a minute, you know, or 45 seconds or something like that at a full gallop. Amazing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So when you grow up doing that, I mean, you know, everyone, when they think about the the warriors back then, they shot like shot arrows like this. No, they shot arrows from their hips Hips. because as a kid, yeah, they're, they they shot arrow. They could shoot a bird out of the air from their hips. Not you know, they were just that good. It, that was one of the one of the things that every child carried. Every young boy had a bow and had his arrows that he carried with him, and he that's what he did. And they played they played games that way. That really down the road it made them better, and it became so natural to them um the like the Cherokees they have like they, what they call Cherokee marbles it was a game that they utilized that helped depth perception right the judgment of depth you know how the distance it was natural for them I mean everything 
had a purpose. I mean, we called them games, but, but they yeah, were really they, they were serving. lessons. Yeah, lessons. Yeah, yeah. And so to to hone in on on our on our on our abilities of of different aspects, whether it's being able to handle a bow and arrow, or or be able to judge the distance of something, you know, um, between one area, one place to another, just by looking at it. Um, it's, it's just amazing that like the horse, for me, the horse culture has always been a big part of, of my life. Yeah. You know, I always say the horse was many saviors in my life and a huge one at that. Um, because when my, when my, when my grandparents left the world, uh, my last living grandmother left, it was, it felt like I was now going to face the world by myself. I mean, I had my family. I had, don't get me wrong. I had my, my parents, my parents are still here today. Uh, my brother, my brothers, um, my sister. I mean, I had my family, but there was still an emptiness, mm-hmm. you know, there was still a loneliness. And, and now I get to see as I'm doing things that they have done. Um, I see a reflection of them through my own movements. That's, that's the, for me, that's the part of being an example, you know, um, because most of our learning is through visual over 85% of our learning abilities through visual. And, and so I always try to maintain that understanding and whether it's, I'm showing my nephews how to do something or not like making them sit down and watch, I'm just doing something. And I know that they're watching uh our nieces sons daughters that don't matter i mean you know because they're all our sons and daughters um and so to be that to always maintain an understanding at the forefront of our minds that we are a living example and what we show what we tell our children is often the opposite of what we are showing our children right and so we have to maintain that okay, we are here showing. And if we never lose that thought that they're watching everything that we do, what I say to them doesn't matter. Yeah. What I, what I'm showing them is what they're going to also simulate in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. The power. So this power of setting the examples, how how many times have you ever had, how old are your kids now? You know, I saw your wife. I have, go ahead. Yeah. I have one, I have one son. Um, he is 26 years old now and he, I'm proud of him. He's on his own. He's got a great job, got his own place. He's making his way. Yeah. Had, you know, um, what I was going to ask was, did you ever, this is happened to me. I've got four kids. My oldest is 25, 25, 23, 19 and 17. But oh, yeah. have you ever, I've had my kids and all four of them, I've told me at various times, you remember when we were doing this and you were sitting there and you said this and I have no recollection of it, but they remember it, right? (laughs) And so what frightens me is that, my God, I'm not even trying. And you're, you're like teach, you're setting a lesson or an example without even knowing it. And that's very frightening. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, I have no memory of this conversation, this thing you're talking about. And they go, yeah, it was real that was such a special day for me. And what you said was this. And I'm like, okay, 
I'll believe you, but I don't remember it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And it's that we have to be careful because we're not going to remember it, but someone else is going to remember it. Yeah. Their eyes, they're always, you're always. That's a great example. You're always setting the example. You got to be intentional about it. Yeah. How did you get, did you. Thank you for sharing that because that's truthful. Yeah. Did you consult on 1883? Because I think that's what Michelle was telling me when we were trying to set up that you were, were you working on that on 1883? Yeah. um, They had, they had a a consultant before and then something came up. So he had to, he he went on to other projects. And so um, Taylor and them, they decided to to see if I would be able to help them finish it up. And so I said, yeah. I, I I could do that. What would you in, what, what did what would you do? Like what was your day like? I mean, what were you what were you doing? Um, the day was just whenever there was um, natives present. Um, it majority of them were Comanche. Uh, I would go and make sure that the ware was you know close to, if not on point, at least close to it. Um, and make sure that, that we didn't overstep the bounds, the boundaries of disrespecting the culture. Yeah. The, so you the wanted people. right. So you wanted to be because, like in the those latest few episodes, that family that was killed was a Lakota family, right? If I remember that right. It, yeah. The, the, it yeah. Was Lakota, they, yeah. And so they were worried about uh, the Lakota thinking that they did, it, and they did, right? And so that's kind of not giving away. Yeah. The episode's been out. So yeah. Is that what you mean? Like that village where the slaughter happened that was a lakota village so you so are you telling me that there were that was look and the the native americans were portraying lakotas so that you you were making sure that that oh that's cool yeah yeah to make sure even like how the like the teepee poles are put up differently tribes did their own designs um to different uh different objects that were within the village. We wanted to make sure that they were not only to that time period, but also the tribe. Wow. That's cool. And, and so, yeah. And um, so we, I, I went to, we filmed that in, I, I don't know if I can say or not, but we filmed that up. Well, we filmed it up in Montana, that particular scene. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I was present for all of that. And to try to get, because in today's time, some of our, some of our own people are kind of out of touch with what really happened. And so to try to, I mean, not out of touch, let me rephrase that. They, the, it's the connecting, the connection is still there. They just don't quite know how to express it at times. And so I also assisted in bringing that emotion, helping them to be in that place, you know, of what just, what they're experiencing or witnessing or seeing um, to capture the moment. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was a lot of fun. It was hard, but it was a lot of fun, you know, because then after that, then we can laugh, you know, with, with our, with our, our, our um, coworkers. Yeah of other nationalities and, and, you know, be happy again. Um, but like you said, we have to learn every aspect of history, oh. whether it's good or bad. 
Yeah. You know, all of it. And, and it's very important that we do. And, and when it comes to us as native people, that part of our history is not really told. Yeah. Um, we, we try to, society tries to avoid it in every, with every opportunity that it can avoid it, they'll, they'll, it'll do it, you know? And so now I'm thankful that we're now having the courage while Taylor and others and Paramount giving them the opportunity to have the courage to stand up and say, no, this is what happened. Yeah. And this is part of the story. And, and we have to tell this part of the story and, or we can't tell this other part, you know? And so I'm thankful that now, uh, especially with Taylor, he really wants the, everything to be authentic. Yeah. He wants it to be as real as, as real can get. It's done really well. I mean, 1883 is done really well. Yellowstone obviously is, is, is great too, but I, 1883 took it. It's almost cinema. Well, it is cinematic, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's like every show is almost like movie quality. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's really every episode. Every exactly. Episode really exactly. Good. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a fan of the show myself. Yeah. It's, it's done really well. I just can't believe how yeah. Taylor just, how he can crank out that content. I don't know what, you know what I mean? It's just amazing. He is, he is definitely a one gifted individual. That's for dang sure. Yeah. I, I have no idea. I would be, I would be lost in it all, yeah. but he, he navigates his way through that. And, and I'm thankful that we, as the audience get to follow that path that he's carving out, yeah. you know, uh, because in wow, we're getting to experience something new. Yeah. It's really good. Um, and, and I think, you know, even like dances with wolves kind of, was was the start of it yeah it did just how how kevin and kevin costner and all them i mean because that that when i saw that film for me that was like man it brought a sense of pride it brought a sense of honor back Mm -hmm. to me um that was also another game changer in my life you know um yeah it made it just was encouraging you know, because the mainstream America is getting to see another side of us that they never got to see before. Yeah. And it was done in a way. I mean, yeah, you're right. When I remember when that came out, that was such a powerful movie. And I, I saw it like six times in the theater. And I remember I was working with, I was at work. It's like, oh, you've got to see this movie. And I'd take it and I'd go see it again. It was just, yeah. And it was done in a way that wasn't, yeah. it wasn't, um, what do I call it? It wasn't done in a patronizing way and it wasn't done in a white guilt way. Does that make sense? Because sometimes yeah. I feel like some yeah. of these, from a white guy's perspective. It wasn't washed down. It wasn't washed down. Yeah. Yep. It wasn't washed down at all. You got exactly what it was. And and I mean, even like in our last season of Yellowstone, you know, we introduced, um, uh, we brought forth the, one of our ceremonies called the Vision. It's the oh, Vision yeah. Quest ceremony yeah and um that was powerful in itself as well and uh when when taylor and i had that conversation i'm like of course i visited with my family i called my brothers and i talked to my mom and dad and and i talked to other family members and and they were like yeah it's time 
You know, it's time to no longer be hidden and, and let the world know that that this is still a very much a part of our lives and it's what we do. Yeah. And and so I was like, all right, let's do this. And and so I was I was I some people ask me because there is some we're I'm receiving some backlash from it. Are you uh, really from certain individuals? Oh yeah, uh. from certain individuals, but uh they're not my chiefs, they're not my leaders, and so I'm not. You know, it is what it is. I, I just, as long as my family's okay with it and my relatives and, and other relatives, then I'm good with it. And, yeah. and it really, for me, the reason why I would do it again is for the fact that there's a native child somewhere in this country that is watching that. And, and it's going to remind them, it's going to reawaken their desire to know more about themselves. Yeah. You know? And so I'm, I'm, I'm totally excited and thankful that we did that. No, that's great. Yeah. I can't believe how long we've been talking. I could talk to you. I'm looking at people don't know this, but it's, it's 9 PM where we're at and we've been talking. <laughs> you came in, they didn't notice you came in from, did you birth a calf or were you taking care of a calf? Did the calf just get born? Right no, the calf, the calf was just born. And and it's it's starting to snow and it's cold. Yeah, it's cold. And so um, I went and took a round bale and rolled it out and get some hay around uh, so the mother would have something to eat, but also around the calves to kind of create a wind block. Yeah. And the calf's strong. The calf's strong. Yeah. The calf is healthy and and it's fine. And so um, I just try to I just care about them a yeah, lot. You know. I'm sure. And in, in I, for me, I go out every morning, every day, and I, I tell them, you know, I'm just thankful for them, yeah. and um, I appreciate them. I could and talk. So, I could talk to you forever, man. There's so much more to explore with you. We didn't even talk so much about <laughs> Yellowstone, and but that's okay. I wanted to. I wanted to to, to know the real you, and you're a beautiful man. Well, I I just I you hit all the things that we talk about. I talk about on the show the, the man I'm trying to be. I fail at it every day, as I'm sure you do too, you know, and, yeah. but we try. Yeah. And if we hold these ideals up and we try to go that way. And it's, yeah. that's, and I'm thankful for this conversation because it reminds me, it recenters me of what's important. Because even, even today I found myself getting a little off-centered, worrying about things, right? That's what, that's what I do. I, I get, I start worrying and I try to control and do things. And sometimes you just got to let go right. and, and go back to that gratitude piece that we were talking about. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm I'm thankful where I'm at today and the people that are in my life. I mean, you know, um, my wife who she also she she got to portray my wife. Yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna say you were speaking before. family. You you that it's, that scene that family scene that was I I did a little digging. I'm like, oh wow, that really was your wife. <laughs> yeah, and that's my uh, sister's son. He's our nephew that's staying with us, and he's a great hand. But, you know, um, Sarah Ann's been through a lot with me um, because I'm, I, I don't even understand myself. And I'm sure you go yeah. through the same thing. You know, you there. I have my moments and my days where I don't even understand myself. I'm with you, bro. And let alone, you know, she to try to expect her to understand me or anyone of my family to understand me. But I just appreciate the love that I get in my life, you know, from 
you know, my loved ones and, and that courage and strength to, to re remain by my side, even in my weakest and most, most pathetic, you know, uh, moments, because I do have those. It was, we all do. We like all do. you said, I, I know, I, I know who I want to become. And, and I have, I, I fall, I fall a lot, but I pick myself back up and just try harder each and every time, mm -hmm. you know, um, and mad respect for everyone that's, that's been through, that's still there by my side. And, and I appreciate you for taking the time to visit with me as well. And, um, I'm not afraid no more. I'm not afraid to, to, to go and talk about past, uh, present. I can't talk about the future though. Cause I don't yeah, know, we don't know. that holds. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for your future. Right. And like I, I said, you've, you've made me a better person talking to this. I mean, I love having, this is why I love doing the show. It's why it's going on its 10th year because I get to do this and I feel blessed that you said yes. And, um, I don't know. It's like, I, I was watching and I just said, I was like, God, I want to talk to him. I don't know why, but it just spoke to me with just your character. Cause it just <laughs> exemplified what I thought. I mean, even though it's just a character on a, a, a silly TV show, you know, there was some authenticity there. Right. And, and, and it, and it emanated, you know, it's, it's, it, there is, there is. And, and I'm, I'm just thankful that I'm, I have the opportunity to, to bring, you know, to bring myself to that, to that, to that particular show. And, and I'm just, I'm so humbled and I'm true. I know I'm truly blessed to even be a part to be a small part of an amazing cast, uh, an amazing crew, um, man, and to be able to bring to life the words that Taylor writes for us, you yeah. know, and for me. And, and just kudos to all of them, you know, because I have respect for all of them. It's just amazing. And I, I still pinch myself that, man, I, when I'm sitting there at, on, a, on a sofa, and I look across and I see Taylor Sheridan, I see Cole Hauser, you know, or even Luke Grimes or Nicole Sheridan. I mean, it's just like crazy. Oh my gosh, man. These Taylor, he makes room for everybody. That's awesome. No, come on. This, this you have a spot right here. And and to to be to be there and to experience this with Gil Birmingham, who is a great actor. Yes. I mean, that man works hard at his art and to be able to share that the, 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 the camera with him, you know, is absolutely amazing. And even Kelsey, yeah, you know, who plays Monica, um, I, I still think about when when I snipered the guy. Yeah. The when, rapist. when she was yeah, running from the rapist. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I was writing up as I was writing up. I was still trying to be a warrior, but I'm not going to lie. I had a lump in my throat. Did you? Because she was we were acting. It, but it seemed real. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, because then it's like, man, Kelsey, she's such a beautiful person that I look at her at times like a daughter. I look at her at times like she's a sister. And it's like, you know what? I'm here for you. Yeah. Even in real life, I'm going to be here for you. Yeah. Because then she is. What she's doing is, you know, I just have a lot of respect for her as well. I mean, everybody, everybody across the board. I mean, I had a great moment with Rip at, uh, at the episode 10 at the, 
uh, season two. Um, of course, I thought I was going to die in that moment, in that episode. <laughs> right, but, right, yeah. <laughs> um, but that moment between Mo, my character, and and Rip, man, that was that was good. It was that was powerful. Yeah, you know, um, and even Luke, you know. But again, for me to to share the moment with with Sarah Ann and Jarrett, I was proud. I was proud of them. Yeah. You know, um, to, to see them. And, and of course, there, Anne is like, you know, as you're doing great, you're doing great. You know, <laughs> so it was wonderful. And I'm just thankful that we had that opportunity. I love hearing that uh, kind of inside baseball about that. Cause you do, I mean, I, I'm, I love the whole production acting process. I, I, I just think that would be, I could get that right. I, I could see how the, in the moment, and that's what, that's what, I'm sure a director wants from you. They don't want you to kind of bring if that if you were really there and that was happening, right? You want that lump in your throat. You want that kind of fear or that kind of whatever, right? I mean, it needs to come across. Yeah. yeah so that's great. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was it was a good moment. It was a good it was a so real moment. Yeah. Um I remember and, when I was when and, we were watching that scene. I didn't quite it didn't click to me that that was a I think uh, intentionally, I think like that it was a setup, right? It wasn't until, yeah, they're running in the night. I'm like, oh, because we were just so mad at her for like, what are you doing? And we're like, she wouldn't do that. She's too strong. She's not that stupid. <laughs> we were we were like mad at her for you know getting in that car with that guy. I'm like, what does she do? What? Come on! And they're like, oh, okay, now I get it. And then you know you yeah. put that bullet in. And I'm like, okay, I get it now. <laughs> this is all part of the yeah a deal. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, I'm just glad that my horse was was you know he's a good horse. He's actually my personal horse. Oh, I got really? him from a dear friend of mine. Yeah, um, it took me a while to 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 buy him from my buddy uh, Cole Paul from and he was an amazing cowboy. Um, but I I've worked at him for years and and finally he he sold me old Zorro, and and Zorro is a dang good horse. I get, I'm just ecstatic that i get to you know use him in in yellowstone but he's also a great rancher he's a he's a, that horse is a better rancher than i'll ever be in my life really that's cool Very yeah cool. yeah he's such a great rancher and he's a yeah I, jaren see he rides him a lot when we work cattle and stuff and and i just watched zaro zaro is always putting him in that right place and so i t- i told jaren i said learn from him learn from him because he's teaching you something yeah. He knows what he's supposed to be doing. So just learn from him. Yeah. And and I'm seeing that growth, you know. Very cool. And so it's amazing. Yeah. But I could talk about Yellowstone. Oh, I know, all night man. Too. Well <laughs> I can talk about <laughs> I guess. I mean, there's another season coming out, right? Are you in um do you st- have you started working on the next season? Have you guys started working on that or I don't even know? Yeah, they they released uh here recently that there will be a season five. Now, um, I don't know too much about what's going to be happening and and whatnot. Um, I just I'm just going to wait and see. And see I guess. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't know what the game plan is, um, but I'm I'm excited that there is a season five. Uh, we don't. I don't know anything. I I well, I just have to wait and see. We. I know I'm not the only one, but we want to see more Mo. So if Taylor's listening to this episode. <laughs> You better write some more Mo. We need our Mo. Mo, you're you're a great that. human being, man. I, I hope we can stay in touch. And I, I mean, I'd love to bring you back and 
and and talk and and at another date. But man, we've we've talked for an hour and a half here. Uh, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's let's schedule something. I mean, you know, Michelle, yeah, my amazing manager. So just let's make it happen. How can people? How can people connect with you? Learn more about you. What do you want people to do if if they want to learn more about you or? Um, you know, really, if you want to learn about me, um, learn about if you have a reservation in your state, learn about the people there. Cool. Uh, learn about the history, the culture. Uh, that's going to be the best way to learn about me. Um, don't don't take everything as as set in stone. I mean, there's so much history. There's so many different families within a reservation within one tribe. And even then, there's different ways that families do things. And so that's going to be, there's so much diversity in there. And so you have to, if you're going to learn about me, learn about them. And you'll learn about me. What a wonderful way to end. Mo, rings plenty. Thanks for coming on the show. Honored to know you. Thank you. Richard, Richard, thank you for having me. I really mean that. You're a great human being yourself. And I appreciate you, brother. Right on. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you got some value out of this episode. If you did, please do me a huge favor. Tell somebody about this show. Tell your spouse, tell your kids, tell your coworkers. Let them know about the value that Dose of Leadership brings to your world. Go to doseofleadership.com. You can learn more about my services. If you're looking for somebody to speak, teach, or coach about leadership, I'm your guy. I'm known for my ability to transform individuals and organizations, teaching them the concept of creating a culture of decentralized leadership. I do think that is the secret sauce to facing all the challenges that we face today. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I look forward to the next time we're together. And until the meantime, make it a great one.